Okay, so we're going to get into this. We just went through an election cycle, um, and this is just going to be a short one tonight, but it's something I think that's very important. Every election cycle, we go through things, uh, people's choices for candidates win, people's choices for candidates lose. We, as Christians, we're told to listen to our government, follow the laws of the land, but not to put our faith in it. Our faith is to be in him, not the government. God ordained the government. God ordained and set the government in place. Our eyes are to be on him, not on the government. Luke 20, 25, Jesus talking. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things, that are Caesar, the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. Now, this account of the words is in three of the four Gospels. So it must be something God wants us to hear and to understand. What does it mean? Well, Christ spoke very clearly. The government of man is to be honored as is, is the government of God. The government of man was put in place by God. Governance was set up. In fact, if you'll remember, he set uh, Moses up with help to help him so Moses didn't have to do. He set the government up, the style of government, the, 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 the hierarchy of government. He, he set it all up. We as good Christians are to listen to the government. We are to follow the laws of the land until they go against the word of God. Taxes must be paid. Laws must be followed. The government of man has been installed by God. Thankfully, at the time of America's government being set up, we had godly men who set it up for the people. They set it up for the people. They set it up by God and with godly principles in place. George Washington himself said, it is a foolish man who tries to govern without this, the Bible. George Washington said that. You might ask, well, why did God put dictators in place then? Aren't they a form of government? Why does he allow bad people to lead? Well, does God allow that? That's a good question. Some take that power by force. Some take that power by deceit. Some take that power by assassination. God set it up. But after that, some are voted in by the people. Some are in that position due to, due to bloodlines. Some take that power by force. The Israelites were given a king, for they would rather have a man rule them than God, and they got exactly what they wanted in King Saul. All governments are put in place by God. What he ordained, what he started out as a good thing, what he ordained, what he intended for our good, started out as a good thing, but like everything else, it can and does become corrupted by man. Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. God allowed the Babylonians to come in and take over Israel, allowed take them into captivity. It happened, but God allowed it. It was ordained by God. God is in charge of everything. Things happen. God has to allow it. Here in Romans, Paul is telling the people in power what God expects of them. But as we see, even in the Bible, man corrupts their position 
their power given to them by God, and they corrupt it for their very own purpose. How many times were good rulers led astray, led astray by their complacency, by bad advice, or just by their true self coming out when they become a leader, when they become a king, when they get some authority? How many times have we seen that happen? Men become corrupted by the very power that they were never seeking in the first place, but once they get it, it goes to their head. Solomon chased after everything once he got to be a king. Saul never listened to God, was more worried about making the people happy, never listened to God and doing it his way. Jeroboam saw what happened to Solomon, was there for the building of the temple. As soon as he got the crown on his head, Jeroboam led the people into idolatry. Good men affected by the power. They are corrupted. How many times were good rulers followed by evil ones in the Old Testament? How many times were good rulers followed by evil? A lot. God ordains, man corrupts. This seems to be man's greatest accomplishment. Corruption, decay, and destruction. Oops, sorry, I can't separate the papers. So if government is declared and set up by God, how do we then act when they tell us to go against God and his word? If we are to honor the law of the land, if we are, but when that law goes against God, what do we do? Well, many are going to quote the following verse to stand against the government of man. Many are going to quote Acts 5.29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. But in order to understand it, you have to look at the context they're talking in. You have to look at the context that Peter and John are standing up and saying these things because they are not talking to the government. Peter and John right here, when they say we ought to obey God rather than men, are talking to the religious leaders. That's who they're talking to. They're not talking to Caesar. They're not talking to Pontius Pilate. They're talking to scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. That's who they're talking to. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them. They're talking to the religious folks, not to the government. So whoever quotes that verse needs to understand they're not talking to the government there. They're talking to the religious leaders. Peter and John were standing here against the religious leaders and their orders to not preach Christ. The religious leaders said, you can't preach Christ. Paul, or Peter and John said, we're going to obey God rather than you. But do not confuse these religious leaders with the government for Rome was the government of the day, not the Pharisees, not the Sadducees, not the Sanhedrin, Rome. God tells us that he set government up, he ordained it, so how do we justify going against government and man when they try to tell us not to listen to God, not to do that which he commands us? How do we, how do we justify one with the other? How do we act when that happens? Well, good thing God didn't just tell us 
God gave us an example. So instead of my words, I'm going to give you an example. And the example we're going to look at of what to do in uh, government persecution, religious persecution by the government, this is what Daniel did, and this is what I'm going to tell you to do. He did, Daniel, what he did every day. He did not make a public display of his religion. He did not make a public display of going against the king. He did not stand in the public square and yell and holler. He didn't. Instead, he did what he did every day before. And if it was considered wrong after all the years of him doing it, then oh well, he was going to honor God anyway with what he always did. That's what Daniel did. He didn't stand and holler. He didn't protest. He didn't preach against them. He did what he always did. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his kneel three times a day and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Do you understand that? Daniel, when the king said you can't do this, when the decree said you can't do this, Daniel did not walk away from his testimony, nor did he waver in his resolve to honor God and follow his convictions. Yet never, never, did Daniel rail against the government or the king? When Daniel knew the decree was signed, he knew the decree, he knew it was signed, knew the price to be paid, and he did it, what he always did, to honor God. Now, on the flip side of this, if you do not do aforetime what you claim is being stolen, your right to assemble, your right to preach, your right to teach. If you're going to stand up and say, oh, they're taking it away from me, but you never did it. Do not look to God to defend you because you have not been faithful. Daniel never wavered in his faithfulness. Do we have that same testimony? Because if you may, if you may have noticed, Daniel did what he did aforetime. Always. Not just in times of trouble. Not just in times of trial. He was faithful in peacetime. He was faithful in quiet time. He was faithful in blessed times. He was faithful in hardship times. When it came time during the trials, he stayed firm, he stayed even, and he did what he always did. When God tells us to go to church and the government says we cannot, then we must do that which we did aforetimes. But I'm going to say it again. If you didn't do it before, don't squawk about it when you perceived it's being taken away. Because if you had gone before, it wouldn't have been taken away. God rewards faithfulness. God protects those who are faithful. If you're not faithful, don't stand up and squawk just for the attention. You do what you did aforetime. When the government passes a law against God, we must stay true to our testimony and our God. We must do what we did aforetime. 
Paul and Peter used their time in front of the government to testify and preach. Paul, all the way through the Roman government, he preached to each and every one of them. He witnessed to each and every one of them. Lots of souls were saved. Peter testified, witnessed, preached all the way up the chain, all the way to death. They stayed faithful, but they were faithful before. That's what they were put to death for. But after, when the sentence was passed, they knew death was coming. They stayed just as faithful both ways. Before and after, they were faithful. How many of us can say we are faithful like that? That we are in church every chance we get. That we are maintaining. And if the, somebody tried to tell us, you can't do that anymore, we continue doing what we did aforetime. Or would we squawk and all of a sudden go, oh, I got to go to church. I got, but, and I mean, and I'm not talking to those of you who are shut in and those who have health problems. I'm talking to those of us who are able, need to get out and serve God, but you don't. Those are the ones who can't squawk when the time comes because they won't have a leg to stand on. Paul and Peter used their time to preach in front of the government to testify. They did not preach sedition. When they got in front of Festus and Agrippa and Herod, they did not preach sedition. They did not rail. They preached the gospel to those men as their last act. They preached Christ and him crucified. Daniel did as he always did. He never wavered in the good or the bad. He was faithful all the way through. That, those are our examples. Paul and Peter, they didn't rail against Festus. Paul did not rail against Festus and Agrippa. Paul did not go, oh, you lousy sin. No, Paul stood up in front of them, and instead of speaking in his behalf, he preached the gospel to that courtroom to those rulers. That's what he did. If the government of man tells us that we are not to worship, then we must maintain our testimony if we have one. If they tell us we cannot preach Christ, we must maintain we must remain faithful in our testimony if we have one. Just remember, our testimony will be more effective if it is the same before evil men take over as it is after they take over. Let us do a four, as we did a four time, as we gathered a four time, as we witnessed, testified, lived a four time the same way after the trials and the hardships come. Don't rail against the government. Don't rail against the king. Get out and preach the gospel just like you did before. That's what our purpose is here. Our purpose is not politics. Our purpose is not the presidency. Our purpose is to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. I'm going to have one party shot. Many are not going to like, but I'm going to say it anyway. If this government in America has gone astray and left God, we Christians have no one to blame but ourselves because we did not stay faithful of four times for not voting godly principles, or in a lot of cases just not voting. We the people are in charge of our government. If our neglect or complacency has led us to this point, then we are to blame. We are guilty for not keeping our testimony. We are guilty for not safeguarding the government God gave us. We are guilty for not keeping our testimony intact. 
You cannot rail against the government for what you allowed. You cannot. In our government, the rulers only do that which the people allow. Our election cycles are so often that we have the power. And if we don't allow it, it won't happen. If we keep our mouth shut, we stay quiet because we're comfortable. It's going to happen and we are to blame. What is our testimony? Is it one of faithfulness in word and in deed? Or is it one of sitting back and allowing the world to take over while we soaked up God's blessing and regarded not that which was placed in our trust? And that's where the Christians in America are right now. We're losing the battles because we sat back and watched for so long. Now that it's time to enter the fray, nobody remembers how. We must do what they did aforetime. We must be faithful. We must be in church. We must be preaching the gospel. We must be witnessing aforetime. And when they come and say, you can't, you're going to say, well, I must keep on because my God told me to keep on. But if you're not doing it, when they come for you, they're not going to ask. You won't have to lie. <laughs> but don't you dare squawk if you weren't doing it before. Don't you squawk when they take away that right if you're not doing it now. We must do what was done aforetime, for that is what got us where we are today. Free to worship in this nation. Free to go to church in the open. A lot of countries don't have that in this world. We can go to church openly. Not only that, we can go out and talk to people about Jesus without going to jail or getting beheaded. A lot of people in this world cannot do that. We must do what got us where we are today. Stay faithful. Go to church. Preach the gospel. Witness. Have a testimony in your life. Sedition, open insurrection, is not the answer. Sedition, open insurrection, railing against the government, not the answer. Having a testimony, being a witness, being true to your God and his word, that is how we win the world. Daniel was faithful in all he did for all of his life. They knew he would be faithful. They knew he would be faithful, and they used his faithfulness to trap him into a bad situation. They used his faithfulness against him, and guess what? He stayed faithful anyway. That's a testimony. Now I'm going to close with this. Daniel's testimony was he was faithful all the days of his life and it led him to the lion's den. Do we have a testimony like that? Are we faithful all the days of our life? Is that what people would use to trap us, our faithfulness? Have we Daniel's testimony? Do we do, in times of trouble, what we always did aforetime?